0: got a touchdown what's out the earth is shaking he's at the 30. he's at the 20. he won't give it up oh
1: five
0: he's all by himself fires into the end zone Touchdown! that's one of the most impressive athletic feats i have ever seen
1: (laughs) welcome back to the getting down to brass tacks podcast this is justin maybe alongside my co-host caleb hampton how's it going man
0: man it's Going lovely. It's been a nice weekend. We've got to see plenty of preseason football. And you know what? It's not regular season football, but it's damn close. And it's better than nothing.
1: Yeah. So we really appreciate you guys coming and taking a listen. Just make sure to follow us on Twitter at BrassSacks NFL some of the things we're going to be talking about today is preseason went through full weekend of games yep. to talk about. We're not going to be talking about every game, but we'll be talking about some of the things that we found to be pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest,
0: Not all these games are really that great, and I'm sure we're going to skip over some of these teams that some of y'all out there care about, and if you have a problem with that, feel how you need to feel, and let us know in our comments
1: and in our social media handles if you feel that way. But some of it just wasn't very good yeah i had some snooze fests for sure that i I, I suffered through thankfully game pass you're my savior right now but we'll probably talk a little bit extensively about the eagles and titans but i think one of our big things for preseason this weekend is about those rookie qbs and then after the preseason we'll be jumping directly into the afc north talking about some of those teams there and what we're expecting to come about so without further ado let's start talking about preseason the colts beat the panthers 21 18 the patriots and washington that was a 22 to 13 game the patriots won thanks to mac jones it sounds like coming up next i'm gonna say this so maybe doesn't have to the steelers topped
0: the eagles 24 to 16 followed next by the friday night game where my titans toppled arthur smith's new falcons 23 to 3
1: And then the Bills beat the Lions uh, narrowly, 16 to 15. Cowboys got beat again, I believe, Um, by the Cardinals, 19 to 16. Down in Miami, they came up a touchdown
0: short to the Chicago Bears, 13 to 20. Over at Broncos territory, they came in a massive 33 to 6 victor over the Vikings making Drew Locke look pretty good
1: in, in preseason with two touchdowns. And then the Browns beat the Jaguars, kind of handedly, 23-13. The Ravens beat the Saints 17-14. to
0: In a New York preseason battle that everyone would just suffer through to watch, honestly, the Jets beat the Giants 12-7. to And coming up after that, the Bengals took a surprising victory. Preseason victory over the Bucks, 19 to
1: 14. Nothing to worry about. It's just preseason on that one, I'm pretty sure. And then the Texans beat the Packers, 26 to 7. Chiefs beat the 49ers, 19 to 16. The Raiders beat the Seahawks, 20 to 7. And the Battle of LA, Chargers beat the Rams, 13 to 6. Caleb, why don't you tell me a little bit about, you know, some of those games that kind of stood out to you this week.
0: First things first. We're going to start with what we at least talked about was kind of the big game of the preseason, and that was that Washington football team versus New England Patriots. Why was it intriguing? Because A, everybody's interested in what Cam Newton was looking like, and B, maybe more curiously, everyone wanted to know what... Mac Jones is looking like. And we got to see a little bit of both. What what were your thoughts when you saw that preseason game go down?
1: Honestly, Mac Jones looked the part. Um it's it's early. It's one game. I try not to, you know, get too excited over one game and not that I'm a New England Patriots fan uh, over here. But Mac Jones fit very well into that offense. It it seemed like he was very comfortable. Cam seemed relatively comfortable, but he had some drops. He had some, I think he had a fumble. Um, yeah. So threw some rough balls. But Mac just kind of stood in the pocket and did what he needed to do. Yeah, I mean, I'll
0: put it this way. There was nothing that Mac Jones
1: did in that game
0: that would cause any like major alarms to go off at all. He looked like somebody that was doing his first NFL preseason game. And I think it it went fine.
1: One of the things I thought was kind of interesting was after the game, I think they were talking to Cam a little bit, and they they said that he kind of gave Mac Jones some pointers, some tips. And it seems, you know, and it might be part of the Patriot way, as they say, but it seems that Cam is not as focused on having to you know, make sure that this is his job. He's actually, he may be actually okay with being the backup behind Mac Jones.
0: Maybe, he's, maybe he is, maybe isn't. who used to say, I mean, also good speak maybe Cam's just kind of, kind of a, a good dude like that and he's trying he's trying to help out a rookie QB. Whatever it is, they both managed, again, not look super alarming. They had some good moments and some not as good moments. But I mean, again, I don't really think you could say that Jones going 13 and 19 is a bad situation. You know, he showed that he he can make some passes and he needs to get more familiar with the speed of the game. Talking about other notable games, I'll go ahead and talk a little bit about the Titans and Atlanta. That was an interesting game. It was cool to see Arthur Smith being the head coach down in Atlanta. Kind of wish he was sticking around here, but, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, we handled business in that game. Logan Woodside, I thought, came out looking pretty good in that game. I was like, in that's helpful because, I mean, he's our backup. Man, for better or worse, you never know what might happen. Injury might come up when COVID might strike. Logan Woodside, he made some, he made some good passes. I will say it was a bit concerning at the beginning because he did take three sacks pretty early into the game. That's more of an offensive line situation.
1: Woodside was really serviceable. I kind of felt like he kind of ran the offense very similar to the way Tannehill and Henry will be running it. It felt very similar to what we're going to see from the Titans over the regular season. It didn't seem anything drastically crazy, and he, it seemed serviceable. I mean, it yeah, seemed it was like serviceable. He could kind of he, plug he in a, there. He had a very nice touchdown pass there to Cam Batson
0: that I be mean, honestly kind of kind of shocked me. I didn't know Woodside could do that. So you know, yeah. Good defense had some insane interceptions as well and that's what we need to see because our defense was just woefully inadequate so overall that was a good outing for the titans arthur maybe he'll get it together we'll see what, what about some other
1: noticeable preceding games what do you see out there well you know i want to talk about the philadelphia eagles of course. Um, go birds right here on the getting down to brass sacks podcast really i thought hertz looked a little bit better i mean i think it looked like Jalen Hurts. i mean he had a little bit of rust he was kind of quick to shake it off he didn't play long enough for me to really get a whole lot but also you don't want your starting qb to be playing too much in a game like this
0: yeah the the, the balancing
1: um, act of course flacco was great actually you know like i thought he played very well I think he could actually potentially win the job if Jalen doesn't take off. But, I mean, I hate saying that as a, a Jalen Hurts fan.
0: I mean, we'll see. Flacco, he's won Super Bowl for a reason. And you know, He got paid $3.5 this year. And I would assume for a reason for things such as this.
1: The other thing I'll say is that <clears throat> Nick Mullins is not the answer he's not good i don't want him anywhere near my team i would honestly be surprised if he makes the team beyond the next couple of weeks and i think we go and grab somebody else
0: i'm sure nick moan some practice squad could work out i can see i could see that happening looking at other games checking in on the rookies now we had justin fields making his appearance in the chicago miami game i thought he had a couple of good series
1: you know you saw a couple of good flashes what did you think about him, maybe? I think he had a couple good series. He shook off some issues that he had in the first part of the game after Dalton went out. Dalton was not even remotely a factor, so I don't barely even want to talk about him because him, I don't think Dalton gets this job. I honestly think we see Justin Fields week really? one. Really? Yeah. Really? Justin yeah. Fields yeah. week one? Yeah. I don't think he's stellar. I don't think he's amazing, but I mean... In my opinion, I think he's better than Andy Dalton at this answer. point. You know what? I, I'm very interested in this, but we are going to be covering
0: that soon. And I was like, soon enough here on the getting down to brass tacks podcast. We're covering all these divisions. So I'm on the table that for right now, but I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by the take, sir. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Other things about the game. Look, the Bears defense was still the Bears defense, which is stingy and kind of scary because Khalil Mack is a scary dude. Um, really great against the run. Still, yeah, re- still very good against the run. Not really a thing you can do against them. Tua, you know, he had a turnover, but I don't know. Uh, overall, I think you're still looking at him, thinking kind of very positive,
1: positively about him going into the season so far and we'll talk about that more when we get to Miami Dolphins and their division but Tua's just got to kind of get back into the swing of things after going down with that injury and having a hard time last year Uh, it's just a messy game in general the other thing I want to talk about is Denver and Minnesota not really anything on Minnesota's side (laughs) but but Drew Locke looked the part man what did you think
0: I was very impressed by looking at Drew Locke I mean he threw for two TDs. He had that one bomb that he dropped to Kamler, I believe. I kind of liked him. I have no problem saying this. Like I've always kind of liked Drew Locke since he came out of the draft for Missouri. Maybe that's the Southern boy in me and the, all the SEC, you know, pride or whatever. But I kind of liked him. The kid has, if you looked at some clips, the kid has an arm. They can keep him healthy and then, you know, he can learn how to read the defense's And make more intelligent plays, they could have something there because he's got some good wide out talent with Sutton coming
1: back from injury, Jerry Judy, and all that. I think Drew Locke and some of this offense, I mean, it might be kind of a dark horse, quiet, you know, maybe not playoff team, but they can definitely play spoiler. And, you know, I think they put up the most points in the entire weekend. Um, It was preseason, obviously, so people probably aren't given as much as they. Would normally, but it is still stuff to look at. But I think they've got a potent offense and I think they have some serious depth.
0: The one thing I will say on the Minnesota end is you guys just need to hope that Cousins, albeit not that great, doesn't get hurt because Browning and Kellen
1: Mond were terrible. Kellen Mond showed some things that I think were relatively surprising, but for the most part, just not good. I mean, like, both of them had 50 percent of their passes completed so it, it was it was um, terrible
0: so yeah. y'all just y'all just make sure that cousins st- stays stays up heading down to jacksonville in the land of shad cod money we've got to look at the long haired playboy trevor lawrence in his
1: preseason debut trevor lawrence's preseason debut uh his first play was an eight yard sack
0: all I can really say about that opening play for Lawrence is welcome to the NFL buddy.
1: It just does not look like this team improved significantly. You know, it, it is one game so we'll see what happens, but the Jacksonville has so many more Are you, are you doubting the Urban Meyer era? <laughs> yes, I am cuz at least it's one game obviously. So things will change, but Empire. It, I I just don't I just don't see you know, they had a lot more problems in Jacksonville than just quarterback. There's there's a lot more things going on with that team. The O-line so far is not going to be able to protect Trevor Lawrence, so we'll see what happens there. Houston and Green Bay, we don't know, really know what's going to happen throughout the year. We know that this is you know going to be Aaron Rodgers last season, but Jordan Love, this was his first action since being drafted, live game action, because we didn't have preseason last year. He had one perfect drive that was he went five for five and a TD, 12 of 17 for 122, and that touchdown, only one sack with a quarterback rating of 110.4. It is one game, but he looks like he could be the future after Aaron Rodgers. That's pretty good.
0: The way it's set up right now, he going to have to be the future, because I don't know who's going to be there, but it ain't going to be Rodgers come next season. That much is for certain. They need to look towards all the positives they can towards their future
1: starting QB. On the Houston side of the ball, if Deshaun Watson doesn't play, who gets this job? Because this was a messy, messy game. Man,
0: who knows? I don't, I mean, if you're in Houston, they don't, I don't think they really want to think about who's going to potentially end up with. End up in that situation. I mean, Mills had a lot more completions than Timson in the situation, but for my money, you gotta say Tyrod Taylor is gonna get is gonna get the starting job if yeah. Watson is unavailable. Yeah,
1: and I'm a big uh, Taylor fan. I'm a big
0: Yo, I, Tyrod Taylor fan. Tyrod Taylor was cool. Obviously, San Diego n- needed to move on because they had Herbert, and Herbert is a, a young talent. But also got to point out, San Diego did Tyrod wrong and literally punctured this man's lung on the sideline before a game, which created the opening for Herbert to kind of shine. So it's kind of a tough break, but I think he's more than capable of being the starting QB if Watson's unavailable.
1: Yeah, a lot of turnovers in that game. Last one we want to talk about before we jump into AFC North is New Orleans and Baltimore. I was watching this game, and... It was just so sloppy. And I think some of that has to do with Baltimore. It was just so messy. You know, Taysom Hill was better than Jameis Winston, but they is were insane that, much. Though? Yeah, but it, much, is that is that much. Much. it felt like a lot of turnovers in that game. A lot of inaccurate throws consistently, not just like a few good ones and then a couple bad ones. It was like just consistently bad passes on both quarterbacks. Now, some of that might have to do with Baltimore playing their defense and how that goes. I mean, yeah, you know, they they always have been aggressive on the defense. I mean, and look, even in preseason, they were still all about blitzing. Yeah, which we'll definitely talk about when we get there. And with that, we actually will turn to the AFC North. Remember the North! Or whatever the hell Game of Thrones said. <laughs> so we're going to start with the Baltimore Ravens. And here we're going to you know talk a little bit about uh, what things look like for them. Just as a reminder on the you know, Brass Sacks podcast, we're going to go over the AFC North, then we'll go over the NFC North as well, probably in a separate episode. But we're going to talk about the Ravens, the Cleveland Browns, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to start with the Ravens. They were 11-5 and last year. They lost in the divisional round. Some of their notable losses, Chris Moore at wide receiver, DJ Fluker at right guard, Mark Ingram running back, Matt Judon, edge rusher who looks great over in New England now. Good pickup for the Patriots. Matt Skura the center is gone. Orlando Brown at right tackle, Willie Snead wide receiver, and then a couple other ones, Des Bryant came back obviously out of retirement to play, you know, got released. And RG3 is no longer there either.
0: RG3 said, I'm tired of this. I'm about to go get this ESPN college game day money, baby. (laughs) And you know what? I don't blame you at all, RG3. Go on and get that game day
1: money. I'm sure that check is nice. Some of the gains they got Sammy Watkins at wide receiver. Solid if he stays healthy. If. Yep, if he does. Josh Oliver for tight end and Alejandro Villanueva at right tackle. Solid right tackle coming into the draft.
0: They went round one wide receiver, picking up Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Now, Rashad did go down with an injury in preseason, and he's going to be missing. He's going to be missing some time, going to be missing the first few weeks of the season. But still, you know, I think that was a solid pickup. Then they came over and they got Adafe Owa, the defensive end, and Ben Cleveland over here at a uh, at guard so trying to spread the love around but they did give you know lamar a new tool and you know still added to the, to the pass rush to boot pretty all around solid draft for the ravens they're looking at the notable games they got a big week two matchup versus kc you know i would love to know right now what do you think that over under on total points for that game was gonna look like it's gonna be crazy they got a week 12 game against Cleveland which will also I think has potential to be either very high scoring or very just gritty and ugly depending on depending on how it goes down and outside of that they I think they have a kind of fairly favorable schedule maybe I mean do you think that the NFL elites kind of shown their favoritism on the Ravens
1: i don't think there's favoritism there i think jackson's fun to watch you're you're impl- are you implying sir that the league doesn't have favorites <laughs> i think they had definitely have favorites for sure but, but okay but, but the this Ravens. is not a podcast about the about the you know taking them down this true that's true that's fine yeah i mean they they got five new offensive starters three on the o-line bozeman switching from a guard to center he'll need some time for jackson to kind of get used to that switch i mean you know, a new, a new center is definitely something to pay attention to. Right. You want that? Yeah, like you want
0: that to gel very, very well. So, you know, hopefully he'll be able to make that transition. I mean, he has some familiarity there, so that helps, but still a very different position. Um, out, outside of that, I mean, we know what it is when it comes to really talking about the Ravens offense. And it's simple, Lamar Jackson is the straw that stirs the drink. Mm-hmm.
1: If Lam- When Lamar's on, the Ravens are going to be on. It's and, as simple as that, really. And we also haven't seen him after having COVID, too. I mean, we know how that affected Cam last year and even still now. He even admitted that he wasn't the same after he had COVID. Jackson did have a brush with COVID last year. He was in proximity, but... Now he's had COVID. Yeah, he actually So we'll definitely see how that goes. I mean, this offense, as you said, kind of basically hinges itself on his QB play. But do they push past a divisional to finally make a deep playoff run? I'm not saying it's going to be easy
0: at all, but they definitely still have the tools here to do so. Lamar, when he's on, is very difficult to deal with. They have enough weapons through the tight ends like Hearst through Hollywood Brown at Wideout to make some good explosive plays when they need to. Lamar always keeps the play action and the option game very open and very at the ready. So you can't ever take them for granted. That can't be overlooked. And then they have a defense that is always consistently giving everyone problems.
1: Yeah, this defense has always been stingy, is always been blitz heavy um even dating back to yeah, the ray lewis ray days. lewis the terrell Suggs days the ed reed days like yeah. they've
0: always been about that life and they're doing the same thing now i mean uh
1: bowser and jalen ferguson those are some ballers last year they blitzed the highest in the nfl at 45 and a half percent and watching that preseason game against new orleans i mean it was very similar i mean it was about half the time they're coming off to the quarterback and so I expect that throughout the regular season, you know, even with some changes. I don't think it will change very much because, look, they have such a high rate of success with it.
0: Because at the end of the day with the Ravens, you can know that the blitz is coming, but
1: are you going to be able to do
0: anything about
1: it? Yeah. They've got a great cornerback squad with Humphrey, Peters, and Young. Deshaun Elliott is replacing Earl Thomas, though. It's a pretty big shooter, fill. Not only at the level of talent, but then also
0: just what the player of Earl Thomas did for other players in that locker room Mm -hmm. and the vibe and the energy and the leadership that that he gave. So that will take some getting used to, but still talent wise still very good secondary
1: group. And look, their playoff loss last year to the bills was against the top five offense, but the defense had in them their second worst game in 19 games. So something to be said, it's a stifling defense. I think in
0: those situations, what we're talking about with can the Ravens go further and can they take that step forward, I don't think it's going to be about the Baltimore Ravens defense. We know what they are. We know what they're going to do. It's going to be about can Lamar Jackson take the step forward when it comes to the playoffs. He's more than proven that he is an elite QB in the regular season. But what he is not shaken so far is that he can do that in the playoffs and that he can feel that pressure and make the clutch plays that need to be made at that level. Mm-hmm. That do, is going to be the deciding factor.
1: So what do you think in terms of uh, schedule? Like how many wins we got? I mean, you don't really know or you don't know
0: necessarily about them beating Casey or Green Bay can be difficult. But honestly, I mean, for me, when I look at it, everything else seems
1: very winnable. I can see them doing like 12. I'm thinking like 12 and five. Yeah, I'm seeing about 11 wins, give or take, maybe 12, maybe Ten, I mean, I, I don't think they go below ten. They're up against one of the better divisions. I mean, they're in a really, they're, really they're, good division they're besides di- the Bengals. Which their we'll division
0: is hard, but outside of that, it's not. It's not as bad Cause look, I mean, look, they're not playing Buffalo, they're not playing Seattle, they're not playing the Titans
1: or Tampa. Mm-hmm. They have a, I mean, what some people are calling a pretty easy schedule for right now. I mean, look, like, hey, when I just tell you they're not playing any of those teams. Sounds kind of,
0: sounds kind of nice. Sounds hey, look, they're not, not playing San Francisco either. Sounds kind of nice, man. But
1: at the end of the day, they still got to get the wins. We'll see if they'll do it. On to the next. We've got the Cleveland Browns, lost in the divisional round as well at eleven and five. They were definitely more competitive than they've been in the last couple of decades. They were competitive enough that now almost everyone is on that hype train. Some of the notable losses, Carl Joseph at safety, Kendall Lamb at left tackle, Kevin Johnson at cornerback, Taewon Taylor, wide receiver, Sheldon Richardson on the defensive line, and Adrian Claiborne on the edge. But they did pick up Jadavian Clowney, which is a pretty big addition. I mean, Jadavian Clowney is a big name
0: addition. I don't know if he's actually a big addition to any stat lines because let me see what did he do last year for the tennessee titans oh that's right nothing (laughs) nothing what has he really done since that one play in in south carolina college career Mm, not much but you know you know what he did do
1: he did try to take out my man nick Foles. he did try to do that though you're absolutely right still still salty guys still salty John Johnson, they also added at safety and Troy Hill at cornerback. So they made up for some of the guys they lost. In the draft, they went after Greg Newsom, the second at cornerback. So they tried to do some depth there at cornerback. Jeremiah Owosu at a linebacker rather, uh, and Anthony Schwartz at wide receiver. Some of these notable games they got coming up during the regular season. Week one at Kansas City, at Arrowhead. So that's a fun way to start things off. off points. Yeah, going to be points for sure They're going to need to rely on some of their defense To try and stop Kansas City But Good luck with that Let's let's be honest, who's going to stop Kansas City from scoring They got a back-to-back against Baltimore With a bye in between So they literally go Baltimore Bye week, Baltimore Interesting scheduling there And then at Green Bay on Christmas Day Followed by at Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football So got a couple stretches there That's kind of rough
0: Hey, you know Uh, what? That was kind of a double-edged sword here where you see that the league is giving Cleveland more primetime games, more games where where the eyes can be on them, but the caveat is they are the
1: underdog in all those matchups. This might be the first time in well over a decade that we can predict that the Browns could be a playoff team two years in a row. I have no problem saying that. I feel like the Browns have been a little overhyped, but also
0: objectively, they could—they definitely have the talent to, to do just that.
1: Yeah, and a lot of that's going to really depend on Baker, though. Um, it's really going to depend on if he stays healthy, because he has avoided the injury bug for the most part this whole time. Yeah, Adding Clowney on the edge, at least to me... Maybe not to you, Caleb, because you're still salty from last year. But I mean, um, <laughs> what did he do last year? I'm yeah, waiting for you yeah. to tell me. maybe. he's. I mean, I think it's a good bolster for the defense. I mean, you, the, I think the difference here with Cleveland is that he's alongside Miles Garrett and Malik Jackson. He's got other guys to kind of rely I was like, on oh, so
0: I, was like, I was like, oh, so he'll become good again because he has other better players that will occupy their time. Ah, I see what you mean. Yeah,
1: yeah. Stop
0: it. Get some help.
1: Look, this team starts with the run game, right? Nick Chubb, man. I mean, here's the thing. I would say that it should, but I don't
0: know. I really don't know if that is really what's happening here because everybody knows that Chubb is good, but when you hear it on the radio, when you hear it on the TV shows and all that, you don't hear people talk about Chubb first. Hmm. It's always, what's Baker doing?
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. Um... I mean, I don't listen to the radio nearly as much as you do. Do But Chubb is the real deal. Yeah, I mean, mean, Chubb is a star, at least to me. Um, And alongside Kareem Hunt, I mean, they use Kareem Hunt in a lot of different ways. Together,
0: they're the best running back duo.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would absolutely agree. It keeps, you know, using Kareem Hunt, I think it keeps Chubb from falling into that Zeke territory of just being constantly overused, constantly overrun and keeps him fresh so I'm surprised that more teams aren't doing things like that is this a prove it year for Odell Beckham Jr. it is I would say in a lot of ways I mean you know obviously
0: Odell didn't do anything wrong nobody can nobody can necessarily know when a serious injury like tearing ACL is going to come up that's not his fault but I mean with the kind of money that Odell is on and everything and kind of his whole persona and how things can kind of change on teams when he is happy or unhappy yeah this is kind of a preview from from obj yeah. and i think it's safe to say that you know if he needs to show something to either stay on that team or you know find a good contract with another team if it doesn't end up working out on cleveland after this season
1: yeah he's in the third year of a five-year 90 million dollar contract right and he only played seven games last year. So. Right.
0: So it's going to be a lot. But we're going to see because with the ACL injury in him, the question will be is, will Odell be able to retain that elite level just athleticism and agility Yeah, that and allows him to make some of the catches that, quite frankly, not really any other receiver
1: in the league can make yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And, and they've and they continued, uh, you know, con- kind of continuing with wide receivers, they've kind of had a lot of good continuity on offense, returning that full offensive line. I also expect a big second year from Donovan Peoples-Jones. 304 yards last year as a rookie, and he could easily be the number two wideout on this offense, maybe even number one if Odell isn't back to full health or back to you know full form. He took a
0: big step forward. You know, He's part of a trio where if you've got him there, a healthy returning OBJ, and then the very consistent and all around good wideout. that's Jarvis Landry you know you've got some good tools for Baker to be able to throw to when they when they need to to do that
1: so looking at the schedule I mean they were seven and two in one score games and I think that is a stat that a lot of people don't pay a lot of attention to is they just pay attention to wins and losses but when you look at it seven and two in one score games that can easily change They do have the third easiest schedule. Me looking at some of these games at New England, you know, right in the middle, straight middle of the season, week ten. You know, we'll probably know by then what to expect from New England. Yeah. So it could be good. It could be easy. It could be hard. You know, we don't really know. As we said, when you have that top of the top of the year, Kansas City. Yeah, they
0: got the top of the top of the year, Kansas City. I mean, it's kind of spread out. I, you know, I'll be kind of interested to see what they do in their middle of the season stretch. So they have, a, they have a mid-season stretch here where they go, you know, week four at Minnesota, week five at the Chargers, and then two home stands at Arizona. And then Denver. And, and then Denver. So I think, you know, I want to say that I think by after kind of week seven, we will kind of know a bit more of like, is this Cleveland team looking like they're serious or are they taking a step back?
1: Yeah, and they got the better of Pittsburgh last year and went further in the playoffs than the yeah. Steelers did. Yeah, and and also pointing this out, they, gotta, they have to come through and get
0: these games then when they can because their last couple of games, they do have Cincinnati at the very end, but before that, they got to deal with a Monday night football at Pittsburgh and then that Christmas game at Green Bay. So, I mean, both of those on the road. They got to make good while they can early on in their schedule because it will be tougher as the season wears on i
1: see nine to 12 wins the question really is is that one enough to win the division and two what's that going to do for you in the playoffs you know because you you get 12 wins it will see if those come against pittsburgh or if some of those wins come against cincinnati or baltimore this is a very cutthroat division
0: it is it's i mean it's a kind of a unforgiving division they don't necessarily have the biggest room for error that being said the browns for me can walk away with 11 again this year which is still good because you know hey we added the extra game so i'm gonna i'm gonna put them at 11 and 6 and again 11 and 6 for them in this setup it might still mean they
1: have to they don't have to wild card it yeah it's entirely possible but we'll but that's where i see them at on to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were 12 and four last year, they lost in the wild card card round to the aforementioned Cleveland Browns and missed out on the the rest of the playoffs in that way. As we said before, they they lost Alejandro Villanueva uh right tackle, Bud Dupree as an edge rusher, James Conner, which I felt is a pretty big loss. You know, I think they replaced him in a decent way with a couple of guys, Stephen Nelson at cornerback and Mike Hilton at cornerback as well. Some of their gains, Joe Haig at right guard, BJ Finney at center, Miles Kilbrew at left linebacker, Rashad Coward at running back, and Kalen Balage at running back, which, you know, he's a he's kind of an institution in the league at this point. He is, yeah, yeah, okay.
0: They need some running back depth, so you got Caleb. We we get it. And you know, to go along with that running back depth, they then went out and drafted Najee harris from the alabama football factory and then also picked up a tied in that was kind of had a lot of good reviews coming out of college from penn state and pat
1: fryer so some of those notable games week one at buffalo it's not a great way to start off the season at green bay home against denver and then home against seattle sunday night football weeks four through six so that's just a rough stretch
0: it's basically a murderer's row if you're the steelers you look at, when I look at them, they, at least you look at the first half, they easily have one like going the hardest first half schedules, I think.
1: Yeah. And then towards the end of the season, you know, they're they're playing your Tennessee Titans week 15. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, like, yeah, their last four games are also brutal.
1: Yeah. Tennessee at Kansas City, Cleveland and Baltimore at Baltimore. And that Cleveland game is Monday Night Football. So it's not going to get any easier for Big Ben and the Steelers, I think there's some questions around this offensive line, Caleb. What do you think?
0: I think there's a lot of questions around the offensive line. We kind of saw that. We kind of saw that last year. Uh, I mean, Rudolph was getting was getting like assaulted on a regular on a regular basis because of the O line. Um, you see a long standing like veteran that a lot of people love like Alejandro Villanueva moving away i'm not sure how people in pittsburgh feel about that but i feel they might be a little bit con- bit concerned and again it doesn't help that roethlisberger definitely ain't getting no younger uh, like you have to start wondering how much time and how many hits does he have does he have left and that's what you kind of that's the question that comes up when you think about the olahan how much longer do you think Roethlisberger can hold up, which I don't think is a good indication for the O-line, but they're going to need to get it together during the preseason to protect Roethlisberger and protect their opportunity to do something with, this, with the season.
1: Steelers fans, let us know if we're wrong, obviously, on Twitter, at BrassTaxNFL, uh here on the tax Podcast. I really don't see, I, I don't know if this makeshift offensive line can really protect Ben the way he needs to be protected. If they give him enough time, he knows how to get the ball out quick. Yeah. But that just depends, you know, and I think we'll also see how well or how well they use Najee Harris because I think they're going to lean on him kind of similar to the way they did with James Conner last year. I think
0: that's going to be the case. Um, what has been a hallmark of Tomlin is he loves a good bell cow running back. That was the situation – of Le'Veon Bell when he was there, and the situation when with Connor when he took over, and I imagine it'll probably be the situation with Harris, and I don't think that'll be anything unusual for Harris himself. Again, he he was running for Alabama and running in the SEC, so hard contact, nothing nothing he hasn't seen before, and they're gonna need him to start it out pretty well because. They need to manage Roethlisberger's throws.
1: I expect a lot of dink and dunk, th- uh, like a lot of short passes uh, to get the ball out fast. I don't think there's going to be a lot of crazy big play action happening. We'll see if that you know changes as the year goes on. They were dead last in run blocking last year, so they'll definitely need the O-line to step up with that. I expect Chase Claypool to have another big year. On the wide receiver side, I think it might even be better than his rookie season. It's possible. Um, if he, I mean, him taking another step forward definitely
0: makes uh, Juju just seem a little bit more expendable, even though, again, they did bring him back on the one-year deal, which I'll be honest, I feel like bringing Juju back on the one-year deal was a little bit more of a, we don't really have any other ideas going.
1: Yeah. Anyways,
0: yeah. we can, and we at least need to retain Juju, yeah, for, for Ben
1: and Eric Ebron brings some solid veteran experience to tight end too in Pittsburgh. The defense, though, I think this is really where these guys shine. Um, they were number one in DVOA last year, yeah. um, first against the pass, fifth against the run. There's some questions around that cornerback position, but they drafted a couple guys and signed a couple guys in free agency right. to, to the, kind of fix that.
0: Right. They They were, were not unaware of those things. They're trying to address those things. And, hey, you still got Minka Fitzpatrick back there, too. Yeah. And you got T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt is also is also a serious problem. I mean, yeah. so at the end of the day, that part, you're right, is still going for him very positively. The steel curtain and some version is still there. The question is that can that curtain be strong enough to hold back some of these high-powered offenses that we have in the league here now when Big Ben is, again, not working
1: at uh, his full strength anymore. Yeah. So similar to the Browns, they had the same result. They went 7-2 and two last year in one-score games. Um, they had the second easiest schedule, according to football metrics i don't see it being as, as easy of a schedule this year this summer it's, i could yeah i mean as i'm looking at it i don't see it that way at all i mean i see eight to nine solid wins you know we'll see how they play against vegas but i don't see cincinnati giving them much trouble but then you got at green bay denver i mean by week five we'll probably know what denver's mo looks True. like yeah. seattle but he's eight to nine wins enough to win the division nine wins might be good enough to win
0: a division sometimes but i don't think it's going to be the case this season and honestly for me i am looking at this pittsburgh team i'm seeing like eight and nine here for me for me honestly it could be different if there's if there's a team that can make me like look dumb by overachieving that record it probably would be somebody like the steelers and tomlin but as it is now i just don't see it man and That schedule they have is just too brutal. So I'm going to say eight and nine. And
1: last up, we have the Cincinnati Bengals. Ooh, we saved the bet. I
0: ain't going to lie to y'all. They're not the best, but we still got to cover them because they're a team. So it's the Bengals.
1: (laughs) Uh, They went four and 12 last year. Uh, with Joe Burrow's first year, he did not make it the whole season either. Um, so he's recovering from an injury. What a surprise. Um, they missed the playoffs, obviously. Some notable losses. A.J. Green, wide receiver, went to the Cardinals. End of an era. Yeah, end of a very long era, too. Giovanni Bernard went to the Bucks, running back. Alex Erickson, wide receiver. Alex Redmond, a couple of Alexes over here, at right guard. And B.J. Finney, center. But they did add in a few guys Trey hedrickson as an edge rusher, Riley Reef uh at left tackle. Yeah, coming in that corner they got Jadobe uh, Awuzie then also
0: on that interior D line they got Alary uh, Ogunjobi. Coming back again to try to fortify the the corner setup, they grabbed Mike Hilton and Ricardo Allen to bolster the secondary cuz you gotta have a secondary if you wanna be able to deal with all these receivers running around here in the league. And then they got Trent Taylor at wideout. They drafted Jamar Chase from LSU, and I gotta be honest Joe Burrow's security blanket. Maybe? Joe Burrow's security blanket. And look, if you've seen him play in college, the kid can ball. I don't know what it is about LSU. LSU makes very, very suspect quarterbacks, but they consistently make good wide receivers. And so I think Jamar Chase will kind of follow that pattern. And then they went out and they drafted Jackson Carmen from Clemson as a nice big offensive tackle. Because, again, Burrow already got broke once. We're trying to make sure he doesn't get broke again this season. So I, I, I like it. You give him a new weapon and you give him a new bodyguard.
1: Notable games, I mean, they're, you know, week four, they're playing Jacksonville. Thursday night football we'll see Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence so hopefully we'll know if Jacksonville is going to be competitive by that point versus the Chargers week 13. Burrow versus Herbert should actually be a fun game. Two
0: young QBs that you know, have shown some promise I think, uh, I think that's the one that people kind of be interested in seeing even if you're not a fan of either of those teams.
1: As we said Joe Burrow is coming off his first major injury as a professional player and unfortunately it happened pretty late last year too so he'll be out there week one obviously but it remains to see how mobile he's going to be after such a bad injury
0: it is i mean one thing i guess positive about that is that burrow isn't necessarily like one of those hybrid qbs that did a lot of running so that's fine but still you're kind of gonna be wondering like how you know how healed up will it be how sure will burrow feel you know making those hard plants, pivoting, and doing that sort of thing that are normal motions that he doesn't need to be actively thinking about when it comes to trying to command the offense. So we'll see how he, he does with that.
1: What doesn't look good, though, is they, they made some changes, but there's still questions on that offensive line, and that's what got him hurt in the first place.
0: Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, he's in danger. Yeah. Joe Burrow's in, <laughs> Joe Burrow's in danger because, like, I mean— maybe they've really gotten it together and they're working to better as a unit, but like from our vantage point, nothing on paper indicates that they made some like very, very needed moves that automatically made that O-line better. That's not there. I'm in danger. Looking at Joe Mixon, look, is the running back that and we need Mixon to be functioning if you want to give Burrow a shot at doing well. He had a foot injury, kept him out the vast majority of last year hopefully that gets sorted out because they'll need them and if they don't have them the running back depth it doesn't look great so yeah we're going to keep their fingers crossed on that outside of that offensively the one thing that the Bengals do have going for them is they have a young budding group
1: of wide receivers and that starts with their draft pick that they just got in jamar chase Joe Burrow's, you know, history with Jamar Chase is something to be excited about. I liken it exactly to Jalen Hurts' Devontae Smith. It feels like recently more teams are doing this stacking thing like you do in Daily Fantasy where you're going to go out and get your top QB, then you're mm-hmm. going to go out and get, get his the, favorite target get the, get the that you had. Get the
0: favorite target. You do the Mahomes-Tariq Hill thing. We saw that same thing go down too with... Tua, and then them drafting Jalen Waddle from Alabama mm-hmm. this year, that could kind of be a new developing trend, tr- truthfully. But yeah, along with Chase on that wideout front, you got Tyler Boyd, and then you've also got T Higgins, who really kind of came up last year as a under the radar kind of wideout to be paying attention to. So we will see what they can do with Burrow all together. Though so again, like we just said, if the O line
1: is still trash. It's going to be hard for them to get the ball. Yeah, and it's it's just not a good defensive unit either. Like, it's just not a good defense. Best you can expect is decency. You know what? They added pieces. That's yeah. all we say.
0: They added pieces. Will they come together? We we really don't know. And look, I'll, there's no reason to really beat around the bush here. We are the Getting Down the Brass Tax podcast for a reason. And it's for reasons of honesty like this. And so the honest truth is this. Cincinnati will not be good. And they're in a division. They're in a division That's... that is very hard. So it is what it is. Let's hope, if you're a Bengals fan, that Burrow doesn't get wrecked, that you see some positive improvements, yeah. and that you just aren't as bad as you were last season. Yeah. But honestly, all of that being said, I, I'm looking at this team, and I'm thinking, like, I'll give
1: them 4-13. I give them 3. I mean, they can beat New York. If Zach Wilson isn't the answer, <laughs> I just I don't see much more than three or four wins. It's sad times for you guys in Cincinnati. Hopefully things can turn around for you. Hopefully it can. That's all we've got this week for Getting Down to Brass Tax Podcast. We'll see you very, very soon, probably in a few days for the NFC North, where we'll be going over uh, all the teams over there if there's any preseason games between now and then we'll cover those but otherwise we will see you very very soon um getting down to brass tacks podcast yo y'all be easy and until then
0: get at us on the socials we are getting down to brass tacks podcast peace out later